0: Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their Elders, past, present and emerging. Hi, and welcome to Self-Improvement Atlas, the Personal Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm Marie Stella, your host from Melbourne, Australia. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show and a very happy Christmas. Now, the holiday season can be an absolute minefield for self-esteem between office parties to family gatherings, the societal pressure to look a certain way can really stack up. So today we're speaking to dietitian Brandy Stamen to get a better understanding of how we eat and how it affects us during this festive season. Hi Brandy, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Of course, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited about this. Likewise, um, and I'm really curious to know and i'm sure our audience is as well what is your personal approach when it comes to food and nutrition during the holidays
1: yeah so really you know i think the most important thing to keep in mind is just approaching it with the term balance in mind um sometimes we can go one way or the other we can we live in the extremes with our eating um depending on what's going on and so you know, knowing that we're going to eat differently during this season and that's just part of it and that's okay. And, um, you know, including the habits that you can while also allowing yourself full permission to enjoy the fun treats or food traditions that you might have this time of year.
0: For sure. Um, I feel like the extreme eating is something that, I find very familiar. Um, It's very familiar to me. Um, And that's a great introduction to our topic for the day. But before we get further into detail, we'd like to get to know you better. This is Have You Met Brandy? Um, My first question for you is, what is your favorite book? I would have to
1: say one of my favorite books I've read in the past few years is Verity by Colleen Hoover has probably been one of my favorites.
0: I've heard the name Colleen Hoover a lot. Tell us a little bit about the book that you just mentioned. Yeah, it's a psychological thriller,
1: um, but there's a really unexpected twist at the end, um, which you don't see coming. Which is a, to me, a benefit with those types of books because sometimes you can predict it's coming,
0: but this one in particular, you you know, it's very good. I highly recommend it. hundred oh, percent. Um, that sounds incredibly riveting. Um, what about movies? Is there a movie that you've enjoyed recently? You know, I'm not a huge movie person. I
1: definitely more along the TV, reading books, listening to podcasts, those types of things.
0: Oh, that's totally fair enough. I feel like I do fluctuate between movie watching. Like sometimes I'll have phases where I watch lots of movies and sometimes I just don't at all like for a couple of years. I just completely fall off. Um, What about podcasts? Are there any podcasts you're listening to at the moment?
1: yeah so um it's not food related but i like i really enjoy listening to i will teach you to be rich by ramit Seti. um i think he's been super it's interesting how i bridge psychology and nutrition together he bridges psychology and finances together so i'm really drawn to that type of content so yeah i
0: really yeah i really do like when some topics um kind of bridge kind of like intertwined psychology with the topic because it just makes it a little bit more interesting and gives it a bit more depth. Not saying I'm, that's not to say like the original topic doesn't have depth whatsoever, but it gives a little bit more context to and a little bit more of a reason. Like I'm a kind of person that just like I don't like thinking about finance at all, um, but whenever I've spoken to guests that managed to to intertwine other topics in into finance as well. Like I think there was a guest that I spoke to once that, um, talked about existentialism and tied it in with finance. And that was really interesting to me. Um, so I really like that. Yeah. Um, so is there a course that you've taken that has inspired you?
1: I would say not necessarily a course, but, um, I'm currently working towards becoming a certified intuitive eating counselor. And so throughout that process, I've had to read, um, you know, a lot of information and research studies and um, really go in depth of the topic of intuitive eating. So that's probably been my favorite because I think it really is a great uh, framework for healing your relationship to food.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So tell us a bit about the course and what has been your biggest takeaway so far? Oh, yeah.
1: So I would say... Biggest takeaways are that there are more than just, there's many ways to improve our health. And often our relationship to food is one of the things that can affect our health. So if we have a more negative relationship to food, that actually can impact your physical health. Uh, Stressing about food in itself Mm -hmm. isn't great for us. So making peace with food, getting to a healthier point in your relationship to food actually also helps with your physical health too which is a really neat thing to see. Um, and they have a research to support it. So it's pretty cool.
0: That's really interesting. And that's actually pretty relevant to what we're about to talk about today. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, now we're moving on to the interview section. And my first question for you, and we ask our guests this um, a lot or like every single time. don't know why I have to say that all the time. Like, yeah, we ask this question all the time, but we do. Um, it's because it kind of like... It kind of gives some context to what the guest is going to share with us. So, um, how would you define personal development?
1: Yeah, I would say it's in the ongoing pursuit of getting to know yourself. Um, learning, you know, your your strengths, your weaknesses, um, what are your thoughts and beliefs and values around certain things? Um, it's To me, it's more about like getting to know yourself to help guide you on what you want to improve on or work on moving forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, How would you define nutrition on the other hand? And how would you describe the relationship between nutrition and personal development?
1: Yeah, so nutrition, of course, you know, is really how do we fuel our bodies um, through, you know, our our dietary intake. Um, and there's many, many, many different ways to, to go about that. So there's no one size fits all way to have good nutrition or to improve our nutrition. Um, and when you think about personal development and combining the two, um, to me, it's, it's an, our nutritional needs change throughout our whole life cycle. So, you know, what we need as a child or a teenager, our needs are totally different as an adult or as a new mom or as we age. And so our, you know, when you think of working on personal development throughout that life cycle, part of it is learning to just shift and adjust and adapt to the changes that come with life. Um, And so kind of meeting yourself where you're at, what stage of life am I in? What does my body need in the here and now? Um, And then, you know, where do I want to go with my relationship to food or my eating habits or whatever that might be.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And I do recall when I was younger, as a teenager, I ate so much. Like I was constantly hungry and I felt so bad about it. Now as an adult, like into my mid-20s, I don't consume nearly as much. But as a teenager, and you know how like uh when... When you're younger, you read all these magazines about dieting and all these things, and then you feel extremely bad, like extra bad about how much food you're consuming, but then you're not realizing that they're kind of their audience for for adults, and and then you just feel extremely guilty for it. Um yeah, so that's really, really interesting way of looking at it, and it's so true. Could you explain the relationship between foods we consume and our self esteem too?
1: Yeah. So when I think of that question, the biggest thing I think of is that often there is um, a morality around food. And so um, it's very common and prevalent in diet culture to talk about foods being good for us or bad for us or healthy or unhealthy. And when we think of, you know, when we give food moral uh, descriptors for a lack of better words, um, then in turn, we are either good for eating well or eating good foods and we're bad for eating bad foods. And then as a result of that guilt and shame often are feelings that pop up depending on how we eat. And so think of like how self-esteem fits into this is that often if we are very polarizing with how we describe food, it affects our self-esteem negatively because then our self-worth becomes about how well or not well we ate in a particular time period. Mm Does that make
0: sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I'm just like, as you're talking about this, I'm just thinking back to when I was a younger adult or like a teenager like in my late teens and trying out diet culture and everything and reading up on the internet like uh, peanuts are good fats and you know potato chips aren't um, but I love potato chips and I hated peanuts with like with a vengeance I hate peanuts they get stuck in your teeth they don't taste that good on their own and I just dislike them. I just don't. I just don't like them. But I forced myself to keep eating peanuts and stop eating um, potato chips. But I felt so bad. Not in the sense of like I feel guilty, but just like I'm not happy. I'm not happy eating this. And it just made me feel worse and it made me want to eat potato chips more. Um, and then I go in this like withdrawal phase way like I'm, I'm just like I'm done with this I can't do this anymore and then I binge eat a bunch of potato chips which is like the at first reaction that you want to have um so yeah I totally get what you're saying that and I think it's not it's not a it's not a rare it's not a rare occurrence I feel like a lot of people go through this So on the topic of holiday gatherings, um, they're often centered around indulgent meals where there tends to be an idea of like how we have to work it off, like the calories or something via some form of exercise. Is this notion necessarily like true um, that we have to work it off from our holiday meals? Um, And if it's not, what do you think we should be doing? Yeah, that's a great question. So
1: I have heard that as well. And, you know, even just like, oh, here's how many push-ups you have to do to work off a dinner roll or whatever the case might be. And it really can be a harmful message or a concept because we then feel like we have to quote unquote earn our food through exercise. And so then it kind of shifts into an unhealthy relationship to exercise. Um and in reality, our we do expend energy exercising, but it's uh, really about 20% of our daily energy expenditure is from physical activity. And so, um, you know, the thought of like working off specifically a certain food or a certain meal that we had usually doesn't correlate direct- directly anyway. And it's not typically how our metabolism works. Um, so overall, I think that can be a really uh, negative mindset to have around movement and um holiday meals. Yeah. Um and so instead, you know, what I encourage people to do is, hey, if you're in a if you're in an exercise routine, can we keep that going during a holiday week? If so, great. If not, it's okay to skip a day or a couple days or a week of movement or exercise. Um it's a small period of time in the grand scheme of our whole year. So enjoy your holiday meal. If it feels right and you have time to to exercise, great. But trying not to combine the two, essentially.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great news for me because I often find like holiday periods can be very stressful as it is. Um, and can be really, really packed. And sometimes it's just like, you've just spent a whole day either cooking or like, going to someone's place, uh, or a few people's places to celebrate things and socializing all day. And the last thing you want to do is come back and have something to do. I mean, like if people find that exercising relaxes them, then that's like a great de-stressing like technique. But if you don't find it, easy to relax with exercising then it's like it's really difficult to get up the um the willpower to do it right before bed like after all of that socializing and cooking and oh my god um so yeah that's great news for me and anyone who's like me <laughs> I also like just remember like so I grew up in Singapore and there's this news outlet that every um every Lunar New Year, so this isn't like Christmas or anything, but Lunar New Year is is like, is another significant festive period for a lot of people there. Um, and they would do this infographic of like snacks, popular snacks during the New Year, um, along with like the calories and in like charts and graphs, um, what kind of exercise would you need to do for how long to burn off these calories? And that would like, spread like wildfire. People would just be like, oh, limit yourself with these snacks or something. Which I feel like the intention of 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 you know spreading awareness of like how much butter is in this or, or what you're actually eating. The intention is like I see it. But at the same time, um the takeaway I guess sometimes the message is lost in translation. Um so yeah. Um, My next question for you is how can we strike a balance between enjoying these treats um, and giving ourselves some time off while simultaneously maintaining our health?
1: Yeah. So one of the biggest things we can do is to avoid all or nothing thinking. So sometimes we view this, this time of year, you know, at least here in the States, it's from Thanksgiving, which is our holiday next week that we have coming up all the way through the new year and we just either will try to stay completely eating healthy the whole time and be really stressed about it or we view it as like a whole well whatever it's this time of year i'm going to eat whatever whenever however much and just kind of go the other e- extreme with it um and in reality usually holiday meals or holiday functions are maybe a handful of times in that month and a half time period. And so it's a small percentage of our actual overall food intake uh, throughout that period. So the biggest thing is to kind of go into it saying, you know what, if there are habits that feel good that I can keep going during this time, maybe it's drinking water or taking a walk a couple times a week, I'm definitely going to focus on keeping those going. But also knowing that sometimes I'm going to eat 10 Christmas cookies in a row and that's fine too because I'm making memories with my grandkids, you know, and and just being okay with both of those things happening during these times Um, because there's always time to kind of get back into your normal routine once the the craziness is over.
0: Yeah, and cookies are delicious. You know, you don't eat 10 cookies every single day. Um, So if any times the time now is probably it's, um, if you're bonding with someone, are there any specific holiday foods or ingredients that have surprising health benefits people tend to not be aware of? And this is so, to give people some hope, something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, pumpkin actually is has fiber and vitamin A and beta mm-hmm. carotene. So it's actually got a lot of nutri It's a nutritional powerhouse. So, you know, making pumpkin muffins or desserts or, um, you know, items like that. Even even pumpkin cookies could be, you know, a
0: health food in there somewhere. Um, so yeah, pumpkin's well, I, a great pumpkin one. Pie. Yeah. I've always wanted pumpkin pie. I've never had a pumpkin pie. Oh, it's so good! <laughs> oh, I've got to have it now. But I have no idea where to get one. I'll have to look this up. Um, on the other hand, though, are there any specific holiday foods that might have an might leave a negative impact on someone's self esteem, or does it like kind of depend on the individual?
1: Yeah, I would say when you're thinking about uh, food in terms of self esteem, any any foods that they eat that they deem bad foods or foods that they shouldn't have for health reasons that can make them feel bad about their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I would say kind of practicing neutral language around food during this time can help because mm-hmm. truly there are no good or bad foods. It's really all foods have a purpose, right? Like some foods we eat because they're very nourishing and they have a lot of nutrition. Some foods we eat because they're fun and enjoyable and it's a tradition to have. And it doesn't mean that that's bad and it doesn't mean the first option is good. It just means they both have a different role to play in our diet. And including both of them during this time, it gives you uh, more balance with your with your diet and helps with your mental health at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I want to also ask, what are some examples of neutral language with food?
1: Yeah. So um, I am not a huge fan of the term cheat meals or cheat foods, because I think that just really, again, you know, cheating on something implies we're doing something wrong. And so it feeds that negative narrative. And so I encourage people to to avoid language like that, um, but instead to say things like fun foods or treats. Fun foods is like my favorite because there are foods that are just fun to have, right? Like <laughs> yeah. ice cream. It's fun. It's it's fun and enjoyable. So um using fun foods when it comes to maybe the lower nutrient density foods is a, a good term to to use instead. That's gonna have help you have more food neutrality. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, I feel like that's something I'll need to use from now on. i never really used cheat foods really because I don't like now in my mid-20s, I've kind of stopped that whole mindset of like I'm dieting. I've to stick to a specific sort of diet. So there's really no need for cheat foods anymore. But I still have the um I still have the tendency to think of foods like in black and white or like good and bad and that's something that has been ingrained in me since I was a teenager. I feel like a lot of people do that too. Um, so that's something I'll definitely definitely um, need to retrain or like reframe my mind to um, So thank you for sharing that. Um, so many of us tend to also turn to comfort foods and emotional eating during the festive season, like you said before, um, and it happens to the best of us. What do you think is the science behind this and how can it affect our self-esteem in the long run? Yeah. So
1: emotional eating is just a coping tool or strategy, essentially. It's just one of many we could possibly turn to. And the reason we use it food for comfort or to handle emotions because it's effective often, you know, it works for us. And there are a lot of emotions tied to food. Um, and so what I when I'm working with clients on this, I encourage them rather than focusing so hard on stopping the turning to food for comfort, rather than going straight to having to cut that out, let's work on building in healthier coping strategies alongside the food. So Sometimes you might have ice cream because you're sad, but other times you might have these other coping strategies like reading, talking to a friend, going to therapy, aromatherapy, you know, work on adding those in when you're feeling these emotions. And over time, you'll notice the emotional eating tends to decrease naturally as a result.
0: Yeah that makes a lot of sense um and I do I'm relating this back to my experience too as well that I find that if I don't if I'm not utilizing any other coping mechanisms I tend to binge eat a lot more or like think of snacking a lot more and when I snack it's not just like I don't know a handful of chips it's like the whole freaking can you know like and that's well, obviously not the healthiest thing ever. Um, so it's probably really, probably, I say probably, but it is really important to not, not really distract yourself, but kind of, yeah, like what you said, um, find alternatives um, for coping mechanisms. Um, but how does our gut health, which often is referred to our second brain, right? Um, how does it influence our self-esteem and overall mental health and other ways to kind of appease that part of us?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great uh, point that they are, it's still a new, fairly new set of research that they're they're doing on our, our gut microbiome, um, but they're learning so much about its strong connection to our mental health. Um, particularly in serotonin production. So, um, you know, which is an important um, happy hormone that we have, you know, or want to have in our brain. And so basically keeping a um, healthy gut microbiome, which is the healthy beneficial bacteria that kind of live in our gut, um, maintaining a healthy microbiome, in turn, helps with serotonin production, which in turn as a side effect they're learning ha- can show some reduction in um, depression or anxiety um, or other mental health conditions. So it doesn't completely fix or solve, you know, whatever's going on for people's mental health, but it definitely has a positive
0: influence. Mm-hmm. And is there a way to use this to our advantage during the holiday season? Yeah, so,
1: uh, A couple things that can really help with your gut microbiome and keeping them happy is number one, um, eating regularly. So if we're not fueling our gut at regular intervals throughout the day, um, they're not going to get the fuel that they need. Uh, They're not going to get the fiber they need to kind of stay alive. And so, healthy digestion and a healthy gut uh, involves eating on a regular schedule. Of you know, in general, I tell people three meals a day, plus snacks in between as needed. Um, that can really help during this season. And alongside that, staying on that eating, re- regular eating schedule will help you enjoy the treats more in moderation because you're not going to get excessively hungry, you know, or you're not going to go into holiday meals starving if you've had breakfast beforehand. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has that added benefit for holiday eating. Um, and then the second part of that is eating foods with fiber. So, uh fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, legumes, um adding those into your meals during this time will really be a great fuel source to keep the microbiome happy.
0: Pumpkin, like you said before. Yeah. Pumpkin pie. I can't stop thinking yeah. of pumpkin pie. I've got to have pumpkin now. Yeah. <laughs> <It's not good. laughs> so what do you think about so we because we do hear a lot of like or i'm not going to have breakfast i want to save myself for lunch or something like that um do you think this is a healthy thing to do or is there a better way to approach this yeah that happens it's
1: very common people will say oh well i've got this big meal coming up later let me skip breakfast so i'm hungry for it or have enough room for it um but really what that often does is it leads to more overindulgence and overeating because <laughs> when we go into an eating experience at a very high level of hunger um meaning we're, we're extremely hungry we tend to eat fast we grab you know a lot more food than we typically maybe would uh we make more impulsive choices about our food we just tend to overdo it and end up on the other side um so eating you know let's say breakfast if you're having a lunch holiday meal or breakfast and lunch if you're having a dinner holiday meal or even just a snack ahead of time whatever it is for you based on your schedule that can help you go into that holiday meal on a more level playing field hunger wise and you end up in a more comfortable position afterwards as a result.
0: Yeah that makes a lot of sense and that's something that I too will have to figure out how to, you know, normalize in my routine because I have a tendency to do that too. Um, Especially if I don't wake up feeling hungry, it's kind of like, well, I only get hungry in the late morning and might as well just wait until lunch, you know. Um, And I feel like that's a very familiar feeling for a lot of people too. Um, And I think probably just like even just a tiny bit of something, a little bit of cereal, just a little snack in the morning um, would help with that. Um, Doesn't necessarily have to be a meal. Like it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a whole thing. Um, So yeah. Um, What other advice do you have for ensuring that we set ourselves up for success here? Um, To make sure that we leave little room for relapsing into undesirable eating habits. And actually... I'm sorry that this question is so long, but as I was saying that I was wondering is it okay sometimes that we relapse into these eating habits?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> that's the question. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that that's a big question. Um in terms of okay, define okay. When you okay, say okay, like
0: That's a good question. Yes. <laughs> That's a good question for me. What is okay? Like, what? Is it all right? It's like, it is, is it the end of the world? It's not the end of the world. Is it, it like, is it normal? Is it normal for us to relapse into undesirable eating habits? And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually going
1: to like, it's, it's going to sound, um, I don't want to say nitpicky is not the word, but semantics, right? Mm -hmm. So when when I hear the word undesirable, I still hear a little bit of that good, bad language kind of being (laughs) raised in that. yeah. Uh, And it's easy to do. It's easy to fall into it, right? Because we think, oh, it's just that doing that, you know, eating too many cookies is so bad for me or, you know, I didn't eat a single vegetable this whole week. Like, it's so bad for me. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I guess the point I'm making here is that I would... Swap out that term rather than saying undesirable, um different or out of routine. Let's mm-hmm. those types of, of language. And that when you think about that, it's like, oh, I ate differently during this time. Mm-hmm. And that can help us feel more okay with with it because that's I'm a little bit more neutral language. Um, and in reality, even with health conditions, like let's say we have, you know, something like diabetes or high blood pressure. Um one day or a handful day of days of eating out of normal out of our normal diet isn't enough to really impact our our health in a in a huge way usually so when we look at health markers and the influences of health it's probably more healthy for you to enjoy your favorite holiday traditions and be fully present and mindful in the moment with family or friends or whatever you're doing that's going to be healthier for you than stressing about what should I eat? What shouldn't I eat? Oh, how many cookies did I have this week? How many, you know, uh, starting January 1st, I need to start all over again. You know, that stress on top of all the holiday stress that we already often have can be less healthy for us than actually the foods we eat.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I really like the way you swapped out undesirable for um, different, because that really puts it into perspective of like, so it's not, it's not really relapsing, you know, um, it's not, it's not, not okay, um, it's just different, and it is the day period, and you know, cut yourself a little bit of slack too. Um, so, have you witnessed any success stories, or case studies that you can share with us um, where your clients have improved their self-esteem through dietary changes and what can we learn from them?
1: Yeah. So I would
0: say um, some of the coolest things
1: that I've seen is um, some of the coolest changes I've seen in people with, uh, in the client, I am like butchering this uh, answer, aren't I? (laughs) <laughs>
0: can I turn that one over? Yes, please. Um, would you like me to um, restate the question? Yeah, that probably. Yeah. Will. Okay, great. <laughs> so have you witnessed any success stories or case studies that you can share with us um, with your clients where they have improved their self-esteem through dietary changes and what can we learn from them? Okay. Yeah. My favorite success stories include the people
1: that I've coached through the intuitive eating process Um, because intuitive eating is a framework where we work in um, eating in a way that's good for both our mental health and our physical health. And it combines the two. And I think that was, you know, for so long, at least even in my traditional dietetics education, that was really missing. Um, We were taught to educate people and here's the facts and like, here's, you know, high sodium versus low sodium foods, but we weren't taught to foster a healthy relationship to food. And how do we eat in a way that's uh, helpful for our life, but not stressful or detrimental to our life. So um, the people that are able to kind of walk through, there's a series of 10 principles with intuitive eating, and um, they all address specific topics or um struggles that people have with food. And when people are able to walk through all 10 uh principles of intuitive eating and really work them into our life, all of these principles work in orchestra to, kind of like an orchestra with instruments and like come together to really promote a really beautiful healthy relationship to food.
0: That's amazing. That's beautiful. That sounds like a work of art. And that feels I feel like I'm exaggerating by saying that, but It really is. Um, So as we wrap up, what's a key takeaway that you'd like to leave our listeners with so that they can drift through the holiday season with a little bit more positivity with their foods um, habits? Yeah. So I would say this holiday season, um,
1: enjoy your favorite traditions and your favorite foods. Eat them mindfully. Pay full attention to the eating experience so you can get that full satisfaction from those enjoyable meals and treats that you're going to have. And then also, you know, rather than going for maybe a restrictive diet or what do I need to cut out of my diet this holiday season, think about what you could add. So could I use some more water? Could I use some more vegetables with my meals? Could I add breakfast every day? Um, Usually when we think of our dietary changes in terms of what we're adding to our life it's so much more positive and actually easier to implement Um, yeah so that's probably my best advice is always think from a lens of like what am i adding to my life rather than what i'm taking away
0: yeah that's an amazing um, mindset to have because i actually have been trying to adopt this mentality a little bit more um, in recent years and i found it so um it's just just more enriching it's very enriching i've learned a little bit more about like the different kinds of vegetables and how to grill them um well and um, because we always see like on the grill we always see the the usual suspects right it's always it's always um i don't know bell peppers it's always corn it's always like some potatoes sometimes eggplant maybe but i've Actually, started doing um, cost lettuce or like baby cabbage, um, and that fits really nice on the grill too, with like some cheese and a little drizzle of olive oil. And it always, um, is such a cl- crowd pleaser because it's something that people don't expect, um, to get on, um, the grill or during Christmas. And I've done like, like, quarters of leeks too, um, which are great on the grill because they are like. A bit, they they are in the same family as onions. Um, and I feel like I'm going off track here, but essentially, <laughs> yeah, like kind of think outside of the box what other vegetables have you not had in the festive season that you can incorporate that actually will fit in really well with the meal that you're already having, would be amazing. Um, Thank you so much, Brandy, for sharing that. Uh, Now we're moving on to the open mic section. And this is your chance to talk about anything that you're passionate about that doesn't have to be related to the topic. So the floor is yours. Take it away. Okay, awesome. So I would say aside,
1: you know, from helping people with their relationships to food, uh, one of my biggest passions is travel. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love to go to new places. I love the whole process of, planning the trip, picking out where to go. How am I getting there? Where am I staying? I love all of it. Um, and so, you know, traveling and having new experiences is one of the most enriching things I think we can do or add to our lives because especially when we go internationally, we get to learn about other cultures, um, other see other, you know, um, landscapes and, and experience different things. Yeah, And I'm going to tie a little bit of food in with that because... Yes. I think one of the best things about traveling is trying new and local food. Mm-hmm. And so I always encourage if, you know, you're going on a vacation, whether it's, you know, to the next town over or you're leaving the country that you live in, um, fully embrace and enjoy the food and the local foods when you can, because you you don't know when you're going to go back again. Um, and that's part of a good quality traveling experience is fully enjoying the food without guilt or feeling bad about it. So... That's my best little food tip tied in with my favorite thing.
0: Oh, 100%. There's nothing I love more than traveling and knowing some locals there that can take you to some little hidden gems that you would never know of otherwise. Um, And I love traveling too. I love the planning, uh, like you have mentioned, which I find not a lot of my friends enjoy the planning part, but I feel like it's so fun and i just go into this rabbit hole i have spreadsheets upon spreadsheets of like yeah where like all the different activities are are kind of like categorized into different things and then you have your main itinerary and then you have backups um just a really fun time (laughs) i agree i should
1: i think i should have been a travel agent in another light that's (laughs) probably my backup career plan so yeah
0: it, you, it's something that you could probably think of like in retirement. Yeah. Honestly,
1: yeah. I've considered it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so where are some of your favorite places to go? Oh, um,
1: I went to Greece in August oh. and um, one of the most amazing, <laughs> beautiful places I've ever been. And I highly recommend, you know, anyone at least go one, one yeah. time at least. Um, yeah. was awesome. Costa Rica was also awesome.
0: So those are probably like my top three. If I Amazing. I really want to go to Greece. It's been on my wish list for like the longest time ever. I planned to go there like ages ago, actually, like I think five, six years ago. Um, but my cousin who was going to go with me pulled out, unfortunately. So I didn't manage to go. And now I've moved here and it's all the way. <laughs> across the other side of the world and it takes me forever to get to Greece um so it's something that's gonna have to be in the long-term plans but um yeah I'm really excited to do that um yeah thank you so much Bendy for joining us today if our listeners want to find out more about you and what you do where can they go yeah absolutely
1: so um probably the best place to see or if anyone would be interested uh in working with me of course I can only legally work with people within the United States right now. But if that falls in, you know, with what you're looking for, um, usenourish.com is where you can find me and my profile. Um, But there's also tons of other fabulous dietitians on there. um, So you can find a good fit for you. Amazing. Um,
0: We'll link that in the show notes. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you everyone for tuning in. Happy holidays. And we'll catch you in the next episode, which will probably be New Year's. You've been listening to the Self-Improvement Atlas, the Personal Science Insights Podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it and subscribing to our channel as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pe.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Marie Stella. Thanks for tuning in.